Is that great or what? Great good morning. We sang a great song a minute ago, Our God Saves. There is hope in his name. But how will people know that unless we tell them? You know, it's, the gospel is great news, but it's only great news if people hear it in time, right? Faith Riders Motorcycle Ministry, I am so glad to be with you all this morning. Let me, let me, let me just encourage you. There's about a thousand places you all could have been this morning, and you chose to come to God's house. Good for you. God bless you. Pastor Green, thank you so much for trusting me and allowing me to share some time with your congregation this morning. Faith Riders Motorcycle Ministry. It started uh, in 2002. A gentleman was in that video. It said, Buddy Newsom, National Director. We've kept him in there because he was the founder. He was a uh, motorcycle cop for about 21 years down in Lakeland, Florida. And God reached down out of heaven and touched his life and drastically, drastically changed him. I've talked to many police officers who served with him, and they said, you wouldn't believe the difference in Buddy's life after he found Christ. And Buddy wanted to use that tool of a motorcycle to reach the kind of folks you were talking about earlier this morning, people that are lost and without hope. And so he started a ministry in his church. It was then called First Baptist Church at the Mall in Lakeland, Florida. It's now called Lakes Church. It's a huge church, probably eight or 10,000 people. And it grew. Another church said, hey, we like what you're doing. We would like to repeat it. And then they figured out, well, how can we do that? And they drew up a bunch of bylaws, and we became a 501c3 nonprofit organization. 2002, today, 380 chapters. You are the 380th chapter. You're the 10th chapter in the great Commonwealth of Virginia. Uh, we have got faith writers from all over Virginia. My great friend Dana and Mac McComb rode over from North Carolina to welcome you to the Faith Rider family. Um, I am so, so excited. So what is Faith Riders? Let me just tell you very briefly, it is a ministry. It's not a club. It's not a gang. It's not just a group of people whose mission in life is to go find the best restaurant or the best barbecue or anything. We do do that, but, <laughs> but our theme is a motorcycle ministry passionate about sharing Christ with the world not just bikers. So you don't even need a bike to be in Faith Riders. If you want to be one of the cool kids, you'll go get one. But you, you don't need a motorcycle. All you need is a heart with a passion to reach the lost. We have a group from Virginia Beach that comes down to Daytona every year uh, to work in our booth, which I'll tell you about in just a second. And over half of them don't ride a motorcycle. They get in a bus and they come down there and they share their heart to reach lost people. And so if, if you're this morning saying, I would love to be involved in evangelism, but I don't have a motorcycle, I don't want a motorcycle. And guys, some of you husbands, I hear it probably 40, 50 times a year. I'd love to have a motorcycle, but my wife won't let me. 
Poor wives get beat up all the time. You don't need a motorcycle to be in Faith Riders. You just need to want to change somebody's life by sharing the gospel. We get involved in motorcycle events around the country. Daytona Beach, we talk about that. Sturgis, the video showed that. It showed a place called Bike Blues and Barbecue in Fayetteville, Arkansas. We go to Myrtle Beach. We go to Panama City Beach. Those five major events, Panama City, Myrtle Beach, uh, Sturgis, wherever they were, those five events, Daytona, in the last 15 years, 103,000 times, 134 times the gospel has been shared one-on-one by faith writers. 12,917 people have said yes to Jesus Christ through the efforts of faith writers. People get excited about the 12,917 decisions for Christ. Let me tell you, that's God's work. The 103,134, that's our job. That's what we're responsible for. God's responsible for changing their hearts. But he can't change their heart unless they hear the gospel, and that's what we do. And we get involved. We go to homeless shelters. We go to veterans' homes. We go to children's homes. We go to dealerships and cook burgers for people. We, we are everywhere. Anywhere that there's somebody that, lost, that is lost that needs to hear the gospel. Now, I spent 30 years of my life um, in the Navy, and I knew that every time something happened in America, around the world, the American president would turn to the Joint Chiefs of Staff and say, where are my aircraft carriers? Because in our military arsenal, that is one of the most deadly things that we have, is an aircraft carrier, where they can do what they do. After today, anytime something happens at Harvest Fellowship, Pastor Green can say, where are my faith riders? They can go get the job done. They can help with parking. They can help with security. They can help in the nursery. They can help with VBS. They can help in the orchestra, in the choir. Faith riders need to be involved in absolute everything, and they're Pastor Green's right hand. And so we're excited to start this new chapter this morning, and I'm going to ask all the Harvest Fellowship faith riders and those that would like to be involved, maybe you just haven't talked to Keith and Maureen yet, would you come down front, please? Come on down, guys. I want you to see their faces. I want you to see their hearts. Please turn and, and face. And, and I'm going to ask my great friend, Pat Ashley, who is the state coordinator for Virginia. He's going to come in a second and present a certificate to Pastor Green and to Keith, our uh, new chapter director. But before we do that, I want to read something to the chapter and see if you'll agree with this. This is what Paul wrote to Timothy, and I think it's very applicable for me to read it to you. And I want you to listen carefully, chapter. 
It says, I solemnly charge you in the presence of God and of Jesus Christ, who is to judge the living and the dead by his appearing in his kingdom, to preach the word, be ready in season and out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort, and with great patience and instruction. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but wanting to have their ears tickled, they will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance to their own desires and will turn away their ears from the truth and will turn aside to miss. But listen to this, Harvest Fellowship. But you be sober in all things. Endure hardship. Do the work of an evangelist and fulfill your ministry. Are you willing to do that? Then Pat, would you come please? In the, in the few minutes that I have left with you, I'd like to share a little bit of scripture. And if you would be so kind as to turn in your Bibles on the right-hand side to the small book of Titus. You'll see 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, and then Titus. Um, one of the things that we do in Faith Writers, as was indicated in that video, is we teach people how to give their testimony. But if you tell somebody that doesn't know Christ out in the streets, I want to tell you my testimony, they go, what does that mean? It means I want to tell you my story. And we train our members on how to do that, normally in three minutes. Some, some folks go a little longer, Mac. Uh, three minutes, if you can imagine, 45 seconds of my life before Christ, 45 seconds how I met Christ, in a minute and a half what my life has been like since I met Christ. We call that a three-minute story. And we do that over and over and over. Uh, if, if there are married couples here, if you could think about, this is when we were engaged. This is the day we got married. But what I really want to know is, how was your life after you got married? It's sort of how I relate that to this. And if I was to go around the room this morning and ask everybody where you're from, would get some great stories. Some of you maybe are still living where you were born. Some of you have moved miles away. Maybe you've moved from a different country where you were born, where you were from. But what I'm really interested in getting you to focus on this morning is where are you from spiritually? And Paul talks to Titus about that in the third chapter, verses 3 through 7. And with your permission, I'd like to read that to you. For we also once were foolish. We were disobedient, deceived, enslaved to various lusts and pleasures, spending our life in malice and envy, hateful, hating one another. But when the kindness of God, our Savior, in His love for mankind appeared, He saved us. Not on the basis of deeds which we have done in righteousness, but according to His mercy, by the washing and regeneration and renewing by the Holy Spirit, whom He poured out upon us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior. In verse 7, so that being justified by His grace we would be made heirs according to the hope 
of eternal life. You see, to share the gospel with somebody, we kind of have to know what it means and where did we come from and what has Christ done for us. Because when we forget that and when we lose sight of how we used to be, we quit caring for the lost people. We think, well, I'm saved. I'm going to heaven. My ticket is paid. I am good. Good luck to you. But that's not what Scripture tells us to do. We're commanded to go and share the gospel, are we not? If you read the last chapter of the book of Matthew, Jesus tells them, go into all the world and share the gospel. But to have our hearts beat for the lost, we have to remember what we used to be like. You can go to a great, great restaurant and come back and tell all your friends, man, you have got to go to this place. They've got the best steak or they got the best pasta or they got the best whatever. Or if you go to a movie and see a great movie, you want to come back and tell everybody all about it. Or you read a great book, you want to tell everybody all about it. How about when you meet the King of Kings and Lord of Lords? Why don't we want to tell people about that? That's what we do with Faith Riders. And when we train somebody in Faith Riders how to share their faith, and they do that, and they lead somebody to the Lord, guess what? They come back to this church, and they're excited. And pretty soon, they're training you how to do it. And you get excited, and the gospel spreads. But Paul says... Don't lose sight, Titus, of how we used to be. When you're looking down your nose at lost people, remember how you used to be. He says, we were foolish ourselves, disobedient and deceived. Disobedient, what he's talking about there is we were disobedient to God. We thought we had it all together. We thought we were doing wonderful things. We thought we were living Wonderful moral lives and we're going to go to heaven. But scripture says we are deceived. If I was to turn back over in Titus to the first chapter, the 16th verse, they profess to know God, but by their deeds they deny him being detestable and disobedient and worthless for any good deed. It is so easy to forget where we came from. The further you get away from that moment of your salvation experience, the easier it is to take it for granted. The easier it is for amazing of amazing grace to disappear. And we have to come back to the center. We have to come back and remember where we came from. It says, we were enslaved to various lusts and pleasures. Now in 2021, when we read that word, we were enslaved to various lusts, our mind immediately goes to sexual things. But it means so much more than that. It means what we had such a great desire for. It might be video games. It might be pornography. It might be work. It might be running after money, lusting after that job. And pleasures, it says. Things that we desire and things that make us feel good. We ran after those things so hard that we lose sight 
of the big picture. There's nothing wrong with wanting things. There's nothing wrong with things that bring us pleasure. But when they now enslave us, we no longer have control of them, do we? They have control of us. Do you remember? I do. I remember how I used to be. I was young in my Navy career. All I wanted to do was to grab that golden ring. I wanted to move up the ranks. I wanted to move up uh, and get prestige. I wanted everybody to think this is the greatest chief that ever was. I wasn't. But I was deceived. I was disobedient to God because I placed the Navy before my own family, wife and three children, three daughters. I spent so much time at sea, they didn't hardly know who I was anymore. I've got over three years of my life underwater on submarines. That's time I'll never get back. But that was my lust. That was my pleasure until somebody told me about Jesus. It says, we were full of malice and envy. Malice means I want bad things for you. Envy means I want your good things for me. And so I was wanting bad things for other people and all the good things, they'd get a new car, they'd get a new house or something, and I would be so full of envy. I wanted their good things. That's the way I was before Christ, and maybe you were too. And I tell you all this so that when we encounter people who are going through that and say, you know what, I can relate. I used to be the same way. Paul reminded Titus, and I'm reminding you because God reminded me of how I used to be. It says we were hateful, hating one another. As I mentioned, I spent 30 years in the Navy. I was what was called a hospital corpsman providing medical care. Um, in 1969 and 70, I spent a year in the jungles of Vietnam with the Marine Corps. The Marine Corps gets their medical people and their religious people from the Navy. Any Marines in the room, I'd like to remind you, you're part of the Navy. Um, they are, they are, um, the men's department, <laughs> when, um, that's okay, I'm going to let him have that one, um, when I came back from Vietnam in 1970, I had a hatred for Vietnamese people, I'm ashamed to tell you that, but it's being honest, I'm just being uh, real with you this morning. From 1970 to 1979, I hated Vietnamese people, and I hated rice because of things I had seen in rice paddies, things I had done in rice paddies. In 1979, August the 10th, I went to a Willie Nelson concert. I loved Willie Nelson. I loved Coors Beer, and I loved Willie Nelson. And I mixed the two together on August the 10th, a whole lot of Coors Beer, in a Willie Nelson concert in Oakland, California. And about a third of the way through the concert, I decided Willie needed some help to sing. <laughs> and so I came down the aisle, and I started to climb up on the stage, and all of a sudden I felt these metal things go around my wrists, and I was dragged away. The next day, Senior Chief Ed De La Rosa, my next-door neighbor, I was at the Naval Shipyard in Mare Island, California, we were going through a decommissioning ceremony of a submarine. 
And he started telling me, he says, you know, Mike, you're a sinner. I said, what? And he said, I'm a sinner. And he opened up this book. And he started talking about how we're all sinners. And he says, you know what sinners deserve? And he opened up to the book of Romans and he says, the wages of sin is death. And I said, I'm not sure I understand that, Ed. And he says, well, you know, every two weeks you get a paycheck. That's your wages for what you have done. The Bible says what you're going to get for what you're doing is death. That's a terrible thing to think about. And Ed shared the gospel with me some more. And then he opened to a little book near the end of the Bible. It's called 1 John. And he said, Mike, this is the biggest word in the Bible. And I thought, oh, great. It's if, I-F. If we confess our sins, he, Jesus, is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And the next thing I knew, I was in a pool of tears asking the Lord to forgive me. And Ed shared the gospel. He was willing to step out of his comfort zone because Ed remembered how he used to be and how I was, and he was willing to share the gospel with me. And August 11th, 1979, Jesus Christ came into my life and changed me completely. And then all those things that I was struggling for in my Navy career just fell in my lap. And I wound up being a master chief and the senior chief and the whole, the senior enlisted in all Navy medicine. Never dreamed that was possible, but God did that. God did that from August the 10th, 1979, getting arrested at a Willie Nelson concert to standing here sharing the Word of God with you this morning as the president and national directors of Faith Riders Motorcycle Ministry. Nothing but God can do that. But it took somebody sharing the gospel with me. For over 2,000 years since the birth of Life, death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, people have been sharing the gospel one-on-one. -on -one. Wouldn't it be terrible if it stopped here? It's got to continue. We've got to tell people. We must continue to let people know there is good news. Verse 5, the first three words, He saved us. Ed shared with me that I was dead in my sins and trespasses. I wasn't real certain what that meant. If you were to turn to the second chapter of Ephesians, the first verse, it says we are all dead in our sins and trespasses. But it says he saved us. And that's an odd word in the Bible. When we think of the word saved... It's not the same as what the Bible says, saved. If I was to go out here on the road and start to step out in traffic and Pastor Green grabbed me by the back and pulled me out of the path of a car that was getting ready to hit me, you'd say, Pastor Green, you just saved Mike's life. No, what he did was interrupt death. When Jesus saves us, he reverses death. 
Because Ephesians 2 says we're already dead. We're dead in our sin and trespasses. But when he reaches down into our heart through the power of his Holy Spirit, he reverses that dead in our sin and trespasses and makes us alive and makes us well. And I'm telling you, people need to know that. People need to hear that. He saved us not on the basis of deeds which we have done in righteousness. I guarantee you, I had zero to offer the Lord. Nothing. I had nothing for him to work with. Nothing. Zero. My Bible tells me that. I was so full of pride, malice, and envy. I thought, I'm sure God would love to have somebody like me. I was a wretched, wretched sinner. I was so full of myself, there was no room for God. That's why I was disobedient. But by his mercy and his grace, it said, according to his mercy, by the washing and regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us through Jesus Christ. He did things that we could not imagine. In verse 4, it said, when the kindness of God our Savior and his love for mankind appeared. And you say, well, Mike, when did, when did he appear? I'd like you to think back about 2,000 years ago when a baby was born in a manger. That's when he first appeared to us. And he did that because of a sinful world that needed to have death reversed, who needed saving. And then through the power of his Holy Spirit, he appeared again August 11th, 1979 on Turtle Dove Lane, Mare Island, California, and appeared into my life. Has he appeared in yours? Has this great Savior appeared in your life? Are you still caught in these things of deceived, various lusts and pleasures, malice, envy, hateful, hating one another. August the 11th, 1979, when Ed De La Rosa was willing to step out of his comfort zone and said, you know what, I care enough about Mike Stewart, I am going to tell him about Jesus no matter what. Oftentimes, we don't want to share the gospel because we're afraid they're going to make fun of us. To that, I would say, get over yourself. It ain't about you. If you're uncomfortable for three or four or five minutes, and it could mean the difference between them spending eternity in heaven or hell, I think it's worth the risk. Ed was willing to do that. And about three weeks later, Ed invited me to come over to Chaplain Warren's house, who was a Navy captain who held a Bible study in his house. I was a Navy Chief Petty Officer. Bible study? Are you kidding? I don't even own a Bible. I don't know anything about a Bible. In the Navy it says, ask the chief. They know everything. I was petrified. I knew nothing. I went to this Bible study, and I was a little late getting there. And there was about 24 people sitting in a big round circle, and there was one chair left. I walked up to that one chair. This little Vietnamese lady stood up. Her name is Kim. She threw her arms around me and said, Welcome. And my hatred for Vietnamese people right there disappeared. 
the kindness of God showed up. And he delivered me from that prejudice of Vietnamese people. Do you remember? Do you remember when God touched you? Or has he yet? Today, he can. It says in verse 7, justified by his grace. Paul felt it important to tell Titus how he used to be. But he also tells him how he is now. Justified. Justified by his grace doesn't mean that I've got it all together. It doesn't mean that I'm perfect. It doesn't mean that I have quit sinning. It means that God now looks at me through the blood of Jesus Christ and my sins are forgiven. And my redemption, my soon-to-be-someday glorification is guaranteed because I am justified by His grace. And it also says, I'm not sure what it says, I can't read it, sorry. He said, we've been made heirs according to the hope, the hope of eternal life. Folks, let me tell you three things about an heir. Maybe some of you are heirs. Maybe some of you have an inheritance. Maybe a relative has written out a will and says, upon my death, so-and-so is going to receive a half a million dollars. I think that would get you pretty excited. That would get you comfort. And you'd probably already think about what you're going to do with that money. Three things about an heir. You're going to get something. Number two, you don't have it yet. And number three, you didn't do a cotton-picking thing to deserve it. That's what we have with eternal life. Someday we're going to have eternal life. We don't have it yet. And I promise you Mike Stewart didn't do a thing to deserve it. Because I had nothing to offer him but a broken sinful life that he changed. And when we really, really take on board that we have this hope of eternal life. Nothing but nothing and nothing can take that away from you. And that frees you to share the gospel. And you no longer care what somebody is going to say about you. You no longer care that somebody's going to say, that's one of them Christian fanatics. Yep, I sure am. I'm a fool for Jesus. Who are you a fool for? And that will bring you such freedom to share the gospel. When you marinate in that verse, it says, We have been justified by His grace and made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Do you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you are going to receive eternal life today? Do you know it? Do you know it? Has the amazing of amazing grace left you? Today, 
it can be rekindled. Faith Riders, a motorcycle ministry, passionate about sharing Jesus Christ with the world. When you go home today, Google the word passionate. And I hope that describes Harvest Fellowship Faith Rider chapter. I hope it describes you. That you're passionate about sharing the gospel. It's only good news if they hear it in time. If they hear it in time. Heard a wonderful story from Pat Ashley just last night. He knew he needed to share the gospel with someone, and he didn't, and the person passed away. And then there was another person in his life that he knew he needed to share the gospel with, and he did, sat down and explained to her, start to finish, what it meant to be saved. Saved is a word that most Christian people don't understand. Saved from what? Save from ourselves, save from our sins, save from our debauchery. And he was able to lead this other lady to the Lord. Today, my question is do you remember? Paul was reminding Titus Titus, remember how you used to be? And once we remember how we used to be, and read verse 7, yeah, but you're not there anymore. Because the first three words of verse 5, he saved us. Make it personal. He saved Mike Stewart. Who would have thought? Lots of people would have said, that guy's so far gone. He's such a knucklehead. There's no way God could save him. Never, never, never count somebody out. Pastor talked about somebody who was a member of an outlaw motorcycle gang. God reached down and touched him. Harvest Fellowship, let me remind you this morning, God is still in the saving business. He's still in the healing business. He has not changed. We have. And in this country, we have got life so easy that we think we don't need God. I've got a job, I've got a nice home, I've got a nice car, life is great, life is grand. You ain't gonna live forever. You're not living forever. I hate to be the first one to tell you that. Statistics prove 10 out of 10 of us die. <laughs> Question is, where are you gonna spend eternity? You're gonna spend it somewhere. The two most important days in your life or this day and Judgment Day. And what happens on Judgment Day very well could be determined by this day. And so this morning, I don't want to leave this beautiful place without A, telling you that Jesus Christ loves you very, very much. And I don't care what, what you have done in your past. Things that you think are so bad, so wretched, that if anybody knew, they would reject you. Let me tell you, Jesus already knows. And he's just asking you, would you come to me? He'll forgive you. There's nothing you can do. Do you know beyond a shadow of a doubt 
that if you died tonight, if you died this afternoon, if you died choking on a piece of meat at lunch, where you're going to spend eternity. I'm begging you, don't let one more day go by until you know. And if you're not right with God, this morning you have an opportunity to do what I did August the 11th, 1979, to just fall on my face and say, God, I can't believe I've been so deceived. I can't believe you have allowed me to live this long carrying all this sin and all this filth. And would you take it from me? And would you forgive me? And would you come and be a part of my life for the rest of my life? He'll change you. If he could take away 10 years, 9 years, of hatred for Vietnamese people in an instant. I mean instantly. He can do miraculous things in your life as well. Pastor, if you would come please. We want to we want to give an opportunity if anybody maybe maybe you'd like to come come down and allow the pastor or myself or anyone else if you'd like to come down and pray Say, Lord, I've lost that passion for Southern Gospel. I'd like you to rebirth that in me. Or, Lord, I'm not sure I'm right with you. Would you come down, please? When you're thinking about coming down front, if you're like me, your heart starts pounding 100 miles a minute. And you're thinking people will make fun of me. People will look at me weird and say, I thought he was already saved. Doesn't matter what people think. It matters what God thinks. Someday we're all going to die and you're not going to stand in front of that person sitting beside you that you think is going to make fun of you. You're going to be standing in front of a living God. That's what matters. Let's let today be a very special day. Go ahead, my brother.